The Israel Report with Rolene Marks. Well, if it's not Bezalel Smotrich or Hamal Ben-Gavir, then who else could it be but Bibi, who's making the headlines at the moment to unpack what's going on with the, with the Prime Minister, or the President, the Prime Minister right now. Joining us on the line, Rolene Marks from Israel. Rolene, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you on board the show. <laughs> Always good to be. I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel, and that it's and that as I trade and as it turns, it's the same topics that keep coming up. But there are the topics that are making the news headlines here. That's a good way to put it, Rowan. I remember the hamster wheel because today I've been going on a hamster wheel of uh, intrigue and disbelief. But anyway, that's for another discussion. L- let's look at now. You can't put that out there. I'm, you know, I'm going to need to know what the intrigue was all about. <laughs> Okay, there are a lot of interesting stories and, you know, mind-boggling stories. But, yes, I'll let you know. We'll have a chat sometime about that. But for now, let's see what Bibi is up to versus the army. Netanyahu tells of IDF chief, says they are weakening deterrence. Gallant, Mossad, Shabak, IDF have warned against reforms. Why isn't the prime minister listening? Well, this is the question everybody's mm. uh, asking. On Friday, because of course these things always happen when I come off air, we had 169 uh, former heads of the Shabak, the Mossad, the IDF, the Israeli Air Force uh, and Israeli police, along with generals and high-ranking officials release a letter calling it the uh, alarm or the general's alarm where they appealed to an end to these proposed judicial overhauls. I mean, we've been speaking about it, I think, since the beginning of the year. We know it's a very, very divisive topic. Uh, The divisions sadly have filtered out from Israel into diaspora communities. uh, uh, It it has been one of the most difficult stories as a journalist to cover because uh, no matter what you say, someone Mm. is going to take umbrage and and take it very, very personally because this is where we are sitting at the moment. But one message we have heard consistently is from the military establishment. Uh, And when I say military, I'm speaking and including the police the Shabak and the Shimbet uh, as well, warning the Prime Minister about the impact that it could have on our security mm. for two reasons. We have seen huge swathes of our Air Force and our military reserves saying that they, for moral reasons, cannot um, show up for their reserve duty uh, for a few reasons. First of all, the reforms... Uh, in the way that they are currently drafted and if the very contentious override clauses uh, included removes very, very important layers of legal protection uh, that ensures that our Army, our Air Force operates within international law, that could be removed. And, And not only that, is they feel they don't trust certain elements within the government who do have additional authority mm. to to give them orders. So that is where we're sitting. And we have heard the military establishment speaking um, very, very publicly about uh, their concerns. The defense minister was famously fired and then sort of rehired when he uh, called on the prime minister to stop or at least pause the reforms because of the impact on security. So the prime minister 
cut short his proposed uh, vacation to the Golan Heights yesterday, meeting with Hertzi Halevi. He is the Ramat Kal, the RDF chief of staff. He is the man whose position in this country I don't envy at the moment, Michael and mm. listeners, because uh, a lot is sitting on his sol- uh, shoulder, soldiers, you know, Freudian slip there. And uh, the IAF chief, Tomer Barr. And um, he basically, the Prime Minister basically rebuked them for publicly questioning the operational preparedness of the military. He says that such statements weaken Israel's deterrence. And he basically went on to say it looks like the army is running the country. Now, uh, he's dealing with some pretty tough guys, and uh, they also uh, hit back at the prime minister, saying that, you know, basically it's in your hands to, to stop mm. this, to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they expressed concerns in three areas. First of all, a potential constitutional crisis caused by the judicial reform. Now, for many of you who are listening and who are thinking, how can Israel have a constitutional crisis if Israel doesn't have a constitution? Great question. Uh, a constitutional crisis doesn't necessarily refer to having a constitution. It refers to when you have uh, um, public institutions or government uh, parties or society that is in a clash with the sitting government. That is essentially uh, mm. termed as a constitution crisis. The other area they express concern, which is damage to the international legitimacy of the IDF. I've just discussed that, the possible legal ramifications should very, very, very important checks and balances be removed um, for whatever reason uh, from ensuring that our military operates as they always have within uh, the absolute letter of the international law. So when you hear Israel's detractors saying that is not within international law, the IDF is not operating, they are. They go through multiple levels Mm. uh, of legal parameters. And the third is the passing of what could be a basic law, Torah study, which is a new bill that aims to legislate seminary or yeshiva studies as a significant service instead of doing army service. Now, there is a huge imperative to get the uh, ultra-Orthodox into the army to uh, make sure that they are integrated more into Israeli society and also to equip them with skills that uh, they can go on to have uh, jobs in, in the workplace that uh, it doesn't put the pressure on, on taxpayers uh, and it doesn't perpetuate a cycle of poverty in this community. Right. Speaking of, let's, let's look at money issues now, uh, Rolene, and the Arab communities are now planning a Jerusalem rally and strike action over our friend Smotridge's freezing of funds. Well, as you and I have been speaking about uh, over the last mm. week or so, Betzalel Smotrich, the finance minister, has uh, withheld 
$200 million earmarked for economic development and, and, and educational development in Arab municipalities. Now, he has taken a massive amount of flack, including from the Prime Minister, including from members of the Likud Party, like Amichai Chikli, like Tali Gottlieb, and from the opposition uh, as well, and from Israelis who are absolutely outraged. Mm. This is not what we want to see uh, members of our government doing. And now municipal leaders in the Arab community said that they will ramp up their protests against the finance minister. They intend to set up a protest tent opposite the prime minister's office, which is also very close to the finance ministry in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And um, they also... Uh, want to um, go on strike. Now, what is quite interesting is that 300 people participated in a protest yesterday, including the mayor of uh, Modi Inn, where I live, Chaim Bibas, who is the chairman of the larger umbrella of uh, of mayors or um, local authorities. So he also participated, as I'm sure many other mayors from other uh, uh, cities participated Mm -hmm. in saying that this is not okay. Um, The Prime Minister last week issued a statement saying that these funds will be transferred, uh, albeit subject to to certain um, criteria. And Betelov Smotrich, despite being told by the Prime Minister you will be transferring those funds, is refusing to budge. Well, let's see uh, if he refuses to budge or not before the next time we speak tomorrow, Rolene. Let's round off the conversation with Saudi normalization and consulate update very quickly. Tell us about that. Feel good kind of, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we think it's feel good. It's mm. actually, kind of. like, as we say in, in Israel, Kacha. Mm. So uh, the uh, Saudis have announced their plans to open up a first consulate in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And this would service the, the Palestinian communities. However, Israel has said that, you know, this is Israel's capital. You can't just open up a consulate in, in Israel. That is not going to happen. Mm. Now, there has been some criticism uh, towards the Israeli authorities for that. Uh, many are saying, you know, given that it is such a, uh, a big win for the region if we normalize with the Saudis, let's not use language like absolutely not, you're not going to have a consulate. Mm. Let's rather talk about how best we can make this happen. Sure. Uh, from Israel's perspective, Jerusalem is our undivided capital. Uh, and you can't just be opening up embassies and consulates without the express permission of the Israeli authorities. Even though the Saudis, uh, if they open up something in East Jerusalem, don't necessarily need Israel's permission, but it's seen as a diplomatic courtesy. Hmm. Rolene, I wonder what we're going to be discussing tomorrow. We're going to have to leave it there and cut the conversation short once again. Rolene, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon to give us an update as to what's happening in the Holy Land at the moment. Rolene Marks, our correspondent from Israel.